Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. No, because uh, Alex like... said you yeah, were very successful. I thought there was information no. I didn't know. What the know. fuck? <laughs> I think that was what just are... Alex trying to big up his own success. Oh, yeah, what are these lies? I've misheard. Because you're too busy eating your chicken katsu curry. I was too busy eating. Okay, but like, you know, your life's been terrible, Sahel. Let's That's talk. a bit extreme. Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet, the only science and tech podcast that you love. That's it, it's the only science and tech podcast that you love. I'm your host, Alex Lathbridge, and we are back for episode 50. Alex, why do you care about the number 50? Is it an arbitrary number that you've been using as a metric of success? Is it the number of bags that you turned down when you refused to make this podcast into a TV show on a major broadcaster in this last year? Or is it your life expectancy if you stop taking your medication? To not answer those questions, I'm of course joined by my co-hosts. Sahel Patel. No, I'm just going to come to you last. <laughs> I'm, of course, joined by the wonderful hosts, Hannah Ayub. Hello. Oz Ismail. Hi, hi, hi. And that's it. No, no, no. Oh, that's no. for last. Oh. That's for last. Also, I was last in the room. And, AKA and the extremely late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did um, you say, Oz? And the third co-host, Sakatsu Curry. It's not Katsu Curry. <laughs> It's it's kind of a katsu curry. It's a really bad katsu curry. Oh no! It's a chicken and mushroom, chicken so, and mushroom pie. So Hale is sitting in front of um, the microphone, currently eating a terrible chicken katsu curry, and um, so you. I'm yeah, also we, very sweaty, you might add, but fortunately, I'm far away from you, so. So what I'm trying to say is we are truly back in full form. This is standard podcast stuff. We thought that we were better than this. We thought that we could be professional. No, this is us. This is where this we is, are This is why you love it, guys. This is questionable. <laughs> Debatable. All right. So everyone. I'm just glad I don't have to smell the curry. It's fucking it. racist. Sorry. <laughs> I'm feeling a sense of deja vu. <laughs> So you would reuse it's our only best... the katsu curries that you buy, Sahel, that I can't stand the smell of. Right, let's get back on track. How has everyone been? Like, what's anything interesting happened in your lives recently? Okay. <laughs> okay. So the most interesting thing that happened to me was uh, it didn't actually happen to me, but I thought it was really funny that um, over the last couple of days, t- when Twitter like decided to can fleets everybody started posting nudes like everybody everybody started posting nudes Fuck it up. i missed this <laughs> how did you miss it it was like a this... whole 24 hours of like everybody being naked on the internet like, was, it, was it only on fleets yeah. it was only on fleets okay i've never the... watched a single fleet so yeah oh, you missed too. out you missed out on all the naked good times <laughs> literally i was like people i didn't even expect to post nudes for posting nudes was and it like was... full news was it like was seen everything? it was like a range okay so some people were just like in underwear some people were just like in very revealing underwear and then some people like full-on <laughs> What did you hear my private? I saw, I saw a lot of penises. Yeah, but that's just a day in life in the no, internet. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did that no. need to be a special occasion for that? Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, okay, to be fair though, Alex, you just kept flicking through them though. Yeah, so yeah. like First you brought it up. upon yourself. Mm-hmm. I willingly flicked through them because I was like, wow, 24 hours of like everyone being naked online. <laughs> no, the best bit and, is, is certain people doing it and then waking up the next day and not realizing how time zones work. So yeah. their fleets were still live. And it's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Ooh. Did you have a, a favorite penis, Alex? 
Next no. question. <laughs> <laughs> so just make a conversation no, you know? no, next i mean okay so oh since we uh, last spoke to you um on this podcast um has anything mm-hmm. interesting happened to you because you went to america what has that been like um so uh when i uh when i left a year and a half ago and i was coming to the land of the free <laughs> um basically i had this really long flight from heathrow to seattle and then from seattle it was a short flight from seattle to portland and I had been to Seattle before. I've been to America before. So I was like, it's going to be great. Get to Seattle. There was a delay. So I was like trying to get to the front to like go through immigration so I could make my local connection. And um, eventually, like I get to the front. I have like, I think maybe 30 minutes to my flight. And this person, um, he takes my documents and he's like looking through it. And he's like, uh, I just follow this person and like points towards this this other person. So I'm like, oh, obviously they're gonna like fast track me to my flight because I have to make this flight. Oh yeah, you got so, fast track priority. That's nice. You got travel. Yeah, plus. so I'm just like, yeah, 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 gonna make my flight. Everyone's waiting for me. Um, and then we go into this room, which is literally just like this iron enclosure, and the door shuts behind me. <laughs> this uh, this person who escorted me g- gives all my documents to this other person. And I was like. So I have a flight to catch. <laughs> so just do you think I'm going to make it? And he was like, I don't know, sit down. And I was like, okay. And then he asked for my phone. So they take my phone, they take my passport and all my immigration documents. And I'm sitting here in this room with like a bunch of other people. Some people are asleep because they've been there for so long. Um, and then this, this person who escorted me comes to me and goes, there's a bathroom and water at the back. And oh then God. walks away. Yo. So I'm like, okay, so this is literally prison. <laughs> <laughs> you put me in immigration jail. Damn. What the fuck? That's some deep shit. Oh my God. Yeah. So, okay, and then okay. I can hear like these other people being questioned by these ICE officers being like, why do you want to go kite surfing in California? And this guy who barely speaks English is like, I don't know, because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm ready for these people to ask me all these questions about like why I want to do research or like whatever. And I'm there for like an hour. And by this point, like, so I don't have my phone. Uh, The last my friend who was picking me up heard from me was that I had made it to Seattle and he was going to pick me up. My other friend was going to like host me like when I got there. I hadn't told any of them what happened. So as far as I know, I made it to Seattle and then I just managed off the face of the earth. It's It's like that movie, The Terminal, isn't it? seen that no tom no, hanks. no no tom hanks was a white man <laughs> who was allowed to stay inside the, the 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 like the airport and it was all whimsical and they made it seem nice he could he could he could use the bathroom and brush his teeth true. and all of that and he was very jolly and had the airport community oz was in ice jail <laughs> yeah. right. oz had the Stop. brown experience you get those right. little mustard he made those little mustard sandwiches in the movie. No, 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 Okay. There was no just, food. Exactly. Just like water in a toilet. Okay. Imagine that. So he remade the terminal. Um, but instead of like Tom Hanks, it's like, I don't know, Dev Patel or something. Yeah. It's like a really dark and twisted version. So that really sad ending. Everyone dies and shit. Well, oh my God. so what but no, but actually genu- happened? But the thing is, I was genuinely, at, there was a point where it went from being like weird to funny to what, whoa, like nobody knows where I am. Like what the fuck happens? So what happened? something goes wrong. What is, what happened? So then I was there for like an hour and then they call my name and then they literally just hand me my documents, my phone and go, welcome to America. <laughs> Yeah, very much welcome to America. That's fucking welcome, I'll remember, mate. <laughs> and wait, but then I was like, okay, how do I get out of this enclosure? <laughs> they didn't even tell me how to get out. And they were like, oh yeah, there's a door behind here. Just go down and your bags will be down there. So right. then I like, go downstairs and it's literally, because it's like the middle of the night at this point. There are no flights coming in to Seattle. Yeah. And it's literally just my bags. Oh, that's <laughs> like, really sad, man. Next to the belt. It was so sad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I was just, towards the end, I was genuinely scared because I was like, my my family know that I left America. My friends know that I arrived in America. But then as of that point, there was no way for me to tell anyone what happened. So then luckily, like I managed to, when I got downstairs, there was like a customs officer who clearly (laughs) saw that I had been traumatized because he was like, we're just going to make this really easy. And like, you can just put your like suitcase through this scanner. We'll just get you through. 
go to this other terminal and tell them what happened and they will hopefully book your flight. But it was up to the airline. So I went to the airline and I was like, uh, so I missed my flight because immigration held me. And the two like airline officers like looked at each other and they went immigration again. And they were like, yeah, we'll re- just book it for you. Don't worry about it. Mm. Which is like super nice because it's not their problem. Like technically I missed my flight. It's not mm. their problem. Yeah. That is nice of them. But it's just like, it happens, must happen so often. It's that fucking power like, trippers, isn't it? You know what these guys are like. <laughs> that was me entering America. Hooray. That's, that's, that's one to Please tell me it's been like vaguely uphill since then. I mean, yeah, since I got to Portland, it's great. I just didn't expect like that kind of, I mean, the, the thing is looking back, what happened wasn't actually bad. Nothing bad happened to me, but it was like, emotionally traumatizing and also much worse things happen to people once they are with ice mm. it's also and the that's... lack the lack of information right like you know worse things happen and it's not like they said wait here for an hour whilst we check something it was just yeah. like it was like yeah and it was just the, the kind of just being barked at by somebody mm. for asking a simple question mm. you know yeah but with that in mind so like you starting portland there yeah that's kind of a shitty experience a very shitty experience since then things have like you say sort of gone from bad to shit but one thing that hasn't gone shit right is your love life how's your love life doing my love life yeah oh wow a couple of big uh, well, well you know literally a month into me moving here uh, uh, a global pandemic happened what well uh, what? never heard of it what a pandemic <laughs> what I never heard of her. Um, and uh, it was just like, okay, so now you, you're you in a new place. You're not allowed to see anybody. Or you can't make new friends. You can't sleep with people because this virus is tearing through the world. Okay. And so I uh, deleted all my apps. I literally uh, was celibate. <laughs> At least it's out of choice, right? <laughs> It was out of choice, yes. See, not, that's, not the, that's not the same for a lot of us. Really? Aww, so hell. I, I got married, so, like... Oh, you got, oh, oh, so Isn't nice. that wonderful for you? Oh, that means so he's nice. definitely mm. not clapping cheeks. <laughs> mm. Are you? You're in love and you have a ring on your finger. Oh. Okay, let's also <laughs> take, a, take a moment to, like... Like, listeners need to know that is like the best. So Alex, yeah. you don't talk about <laughs> enough, but like Alex got married to like the best person in the world. Yeah, Seconded. this is true. So let's not jump off right there. Let's talk about how my life is great and how you three still belong to the streets. <laughs> so how- oh, Sesame Street, motherfucker. No. Um, so I mean, like how, how, I mean, Oz, you, you deleted all the apps, but Sahel, mm-hmm. like how's, how's relationships, how's, um, how's COVID relationships um, treating you? I've not been broken hearted, but I might have broken some hearts. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn. Damn. Really? I tell you what, the world has made me a cruel bit of man. <laughs> Wow. Well, look, look, um, let me not talk to you because you are a terrible individual. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? You know what? Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, Ozzy, you were saying you got into a relationship during lockdown. It's a very intense time to like start dating someone, don't you think? It's like... Well, first of all, I didn't get into a relationship during lockdown. I don't know where you're getting that from. (laughs) No, because Alex said you were very successful. I thought there was information I didn't know. What the fuck? (laughs) I think that was what just Alex trying to big up his own success. Oh. Yeah, what are these lies? I've misheard. Because you're too heard. busy eating a chicken katsu curry. I'm too busy but, you. Okay, but like, you know, your life's been terrible, Sahel. Mm. Um, so let's talk. That's a bit extreme. It's something terrible, right? <laughs> it's it's okay. Alex, times. I realise that like, you might not be aware of this, but there is more to life than relationships. Me? I might not be aware I of mean, that. I mean, he, okay, so he just got married and also... 
people are extremely happy for the first two years after they get married. So, so that's yeah, why he thinks Sir Hale's life is shit. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we have to get no, him some He's kind of right, let's, though, like, let, <laughs> let's come back to him after two years and be like, how's your life, Alex? <laughs> right, after the episode, let's all put bets. <laughs> it's like a sweepstakes. Please don't bet on how long that. I will stay married. No, I was going to bet on forever, so... <laughs> Okay, so Hannah, how about you? How have relationships been for you in the time of corona? Um, so I arrived back into the UK three days before like the first lockdown, happily in a relationship, unhappily now uh, on the other side of the planet from the person that I was in love with. Where was the person? Uh, somewhere in Southeast Asia. Um, <laughs> Perhaps a place that then... has an airport that has a theme park in it. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? yeah, that, that country. Um, and then two months later, uh, they sort of turned around and basically were like, I've never really been sure about this. I don't want to be in a relationship anymore. Fucking bastard. How dare he? Yeah. I mean, yeah, how dare, <laughs> how dare they? Ha- let's try not to give identify. Fuck it. No, how dare. <laughs> Do you, do you need us to sort them out? I'll sort them out. <laughs> I'm a very angry lad. I got some. <laughs> I've got some British Airways miles. Let me. So come. you're amazing, lady. Fuck that guy. There we Thank go. You, ten out of ten. I think what made it more difficult is it was pre. It was quite stretched out. So I said like two months into lockdown, but there was then like six months of very like what is going on, um, before it was like very clear nothing was going to be resolved and I cut off all contact. So like, yeah, I think that that time sort of felt very like stuck in limbo. And in hindsight, I think I lost like a lot of myself whilst in that limbo. Um, But then like once I cut off contact, it was like, even though in many different ways, I'd like braced myself, like that this was gonna happen. And I told myself again and again, like, I'm strong, I'm independent, I don't need a man. I was happy when I was single, I'm gonna be fine. And then suddenly it just like hit me like an absolute ton of bricks. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, how long were you with this person for? Um, if you asked him, probably he'd say 14 months. <laughs> I I would say like, and this, like, I don't know, like it's, it's one of these classic gender things where I feel like it sounds a bit psychotic to say it. But like, I think for me, in my heart and in my brain, we were together until I cut off contact. So it was like 20 months. Do you know where there's six months? Oh, there's six months. Diff- Damn. Ooh. Well, okay. So would you consider what you went through that entire process? Heartbreak. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's really good because that is the topic of this episode. <laughs> Look at that segue. It is, is there science behind heartbreak? Is this why you suggested the episode, Hannah? You're like, you know what? The only way I can process this is 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 the only way I know how is to make good uh, accessible science content. You're like, I'm going to turn this this strong feeling it's into content. It's the same, beautiful. That's it. I'm, I'm down with that. I rate that. I respect <laughs> yes, you. Yes, I, I am an artiste and all pain must be turned into content. Um, no, I feel like it's partly, I think when I look ahead to the future, like, so this is like if we rewind a few months, like looking ahead to the future, like I was really, really scared and anxious of like ever going through something like this again. And because I am a complete utter nerd, um, the solution to this was to like start reading and like watching videos and stuff and trying to like learn more about what was going on and like what had been going on in my brain and my body. And um, yeah, so and then this, I just kept finding like some really interesting that did sort of help me understand a lot of things and made me feel less alone and less crazy. Um, and I'm not gonna like I I'm not gonna use a different word there because I think even though it's ableist, like I think it's true. Like you feel crazy and you feel like you don't want to talk about what you're going through because people will judge you, especially as someone who like think you know who maybe gives off like a strong vibe. Um, but yeah, the science is really interesting. Well, let's go through that today. All right, so where we're going to turn your pain into some art. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, seeing this is something you've looked at, first things first, Hannah, can heartbreak actually break your heart? 
So there, in extreme cases, there is a recognised medical condition called broken heart syndrome, which has symptoms similar to heart attack. Um, it can change the heart rhythm. It can change the biochemistry of the blood. In extreme cases, it can even like weaken the heart muscle. Oz, Hannah, I'm not going to ask Sahel because I don't know how his heart actually functions on a base level. But Oz, Hannah, when you've gone through a breakup, have you ever had like physical like reactions to it have, have, have you ever had that is that a thing that happens between you people that can't handle long-term relationships forming that wow <laughs> talk about shady's shady thrown shady's getting thrown just a reminder that alex has a ring on his finger what the fuck <laughs> to answer your question alex um yes i think generally mostly like manifested as uh anxiety um and I think that's, I've never, it's never been like one thing. It's always been like the symptoms of anxiety or like having an anxiety attack when I, when I think about it. Um, so yeah, I think in the past, maybe I've just like tried to ride it out, but more recently as I've gotten like more, um, as I've gotten to understand my own mental health better, I've taken steps to like fix it or like take medication for it or like seek counseling for it. So, uh, but yeah, I would say I, 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 I have experienced really bad anxiety attacks when I've been through heartbreak. <laughs> I have been fucking ravaged by heartbreak. Okay. I've cried sweet, salty tears of sadness. Yeah. Delicious soap. <laughs> this is why you have high blood pressure. Um, no, no, I think, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of, it's interesting actually, because we're talking about turning um, heartbreak into art. And I had this very similar idea of when I, when I broke up with someone a few years ago and I made this, and I, and I tried to write like a stand up set about like love and heartbreak. And yeah, basically, Humanity is pretty fucked in that we've chosen this seemingly inefficient means of reproduction. <laughs> and quite frankly, it's fucked up. <laughs> That's, I'm glad you've... <laughs> yes, love is terrible. <laughs> love is terrible, man. But, but I feel like humanity has proven that, like, it's managing to, like, sustain a population. I don't know, man. This, despite how fucked up dating is. It's, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty soul destroying system of reproduction, is what I'd say. <laughs> okay, so I mean, Hannah, there is that one thing. What is it? It's uh, the Takotsubo syndrome in Japan. It's a syndrome that was first described in Japan in 1990, um, and it's a type of cardiomyopathy. So that's a disease of the heart muscle, and so it causes the heart to like balloon and weaken. Oh. Yeah. Um, so basically, your um, the left ventricle of the heart so if you think the heart is split into four chambers the top two are the atria and the top two are the bottom two are the ventricles like the left ventricle which is the super important one for pumping blood it becomes weakened um especially like at the tip and so what happens is it starts ballooning and it ends up looking sort of like a traditional japanese octopus trap which is why it's called takutsobo the name of a japanese octopus chat trap octopus chat um and so yeah you can it can actually lead to syndromes that can feel like a heart attack so literally because wow. it, it's sort of like con it is chronic stress chronic emotion like mm. that is what's causing it and you can get that stress from you know going through a prolonged difficult breakup so heartbreak can in some cases cause physical heart damage like this stuff is so, easily but, but treatable. what about uh, with this syndrome is it something that is exclusive to like that kind of emotional uh, pain or do people get it from many other different other diseases or conditions? It's just been described as a response to extremely stressful events. Okay. So mm -hmm. chronic stress. Do we know how many people it affects? Um, it tends to affect more women than men and most common in women over the age of 50. Um, and it's thought to affect in the UK around 2,500 people um, and unlike some other forms of cardiomyopathy so like heart diseases it's not thought to be like genetic or run um, like in families and stuff um, but the exact cause of the condition is not really 
really known. Um, mm. And it's it's kind of thought that like these incredibly stressful events, you know, like stressful emotion or like a physical um, event, um, like they cause an excess of hormones like, you know, adrenaline, which affects the heart and then causes like a change in how it worked. And um, yeah, and some people actually think that um, positive events as well can cause it in some people. Um, wow, so, so excited. Yeah. Um, and in, but in about 30% of cases, there's just no like obvious trigger. So it's like sudden chest pain, shortness of breath, arrhythmia. So things that people think might be a heart attack. 2,500 in the UK is a lot more than I would have expected. Like whenever I've heard it talked about, it's been like this super rare thing. I mean, that's pretty rare, right? Is that yeah, not? It's rare, but like that's still, did you say every year? Yep, each year, 2,500 yeah, people so. in the UK. Mm. That's, I mean, that's pretty so interesting. Just, interestingly, like when you're talking about stress causing like pain, like, you know, I feel like when you do get anxious, you have a physi physiological reaction to things. Mm -hmm. uh, like you say, the release of certain chemicals and hormones. And saying about chest pains, I've definitely had like during COVID when I've been like really anxious. I don't know about you guys, but I've had like tight chest mm. or like, do you know what I mean? Or like my, I get really mm -hmm. like stiff and tense. And I suppose the similarities in that between like when you have, when you're going through similar stressful events, whether that's a breakup or whatever it might be, but I can understand that definitely being a thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean- But is it like, you know, when, mm. um, so in, in the past when I've kind of heard about broken heart syndrome, it's always like, um, like two, like ver two very old people who are like very much in love with each other, like died within hours of each other. Is that because they're dying of this condition or is that like something else? No, nah, this condition is very easily treatable. So uh, <laughs> I don't think it's, uh, it's Takotsobo. Like, I, I okay. don't think it's that. But like, it's not like the end of Star Wars episode three where it's like, how did Padme die? She lost the will to live. It's like, wow, George <laughs> Lucas, that's trash. All right, so in a quite small survey of a thousand young people here in the UK, 48% of 16 to 25 year olds said that breakups have a negative impact on mental health, right? So what's the science behind this? Why does a breakup mess with your head? And we should probably, like, this is not all breakups, but in people who feel like, you know, it's devastating, like they are going through something akin to heartbreak, the body is generally going through a stress response. So cortisol and adrenaline spike, which are like the stress hormones. Um, adrenaline can cause things like a racing heartbeat. Um, cortisol suppresses the immune system. They both can like suppress the um, like digestive system. Um, so like I completely like lost my appetite um, for like a week, which is not something like... I don't generally lose my appetite. Like it takes a lot. I don't even lose it when I get sick. Um, and also like loads of sort of happy hormones and neurotransmitters like nosedives. So serotonin production can go down. Dopamine production can go down. Oxytocin goes down as well. Um, and like this is this is the thing that I only learned like in the last month and it blows my mind is that when you're in like longer term relationships and no one can quite pin down like what is longer term, um, but like probably like around the sort of longer than a year mark your body starts producing opiates what? in response to the person you're with. That's and I've when heard you about break that. up. Yeah, you go into opiate withdrawal. Basically, we're all a bunch what? of drug addicts when it comes what? to love. We're all looking for yeah. that hit of of oxycodone, right? What? What? You start? I think you're lying. That's got to be a lie, right? Uh, apparently, doesn't your body release o oxycodone when you're like cuddling after sex as well? Like, oxytocin. Oxytocin. That's the one. Yeah, oxytocin's like a really interesting hormone because its main function is in giving birth and breastfeeding, but evolution seems to have sort of co-opted it, which apparently is quite common because evolution is very thrifty. It's co-opted it and it is also now associated with attachment to people. Putting oh, that wow. shit on a, we're putting that on a t-shirt. All right, well, like, evolution is very thrifty. thrifty. Evolution is thrifty. <laughs> evolution is thrifty. Okay, all right. Everyone, everyone wait for our new... Uh, 
new merch dropping soon <laughs> I, I, what you said Hannah, is really interesting because um, when we feel down after a breakup it's because literally we don't have oxycodone we're not getting that hit anymore right yes there's all these things and i think personally what i find interesting about all this is i generally i constantly felt like there were two different like stages of processing everything going on in my head like there was the bit of me that i think of as like my rational self which was quite often like several steps ahead like i'm okay everything's gonna be fine this is not the end of the world like this may have probably been a good thing for me mm. and then there was this other part of me that was just going ah! <laughs> and it was very hard to reconcile those two at times mm. The whole like addiction, the like addiction or like withdrawal uh, thing is interesting from like an addiction perspective. Because mm. I was watching, mm. did you did you guys watch uh, that Netflix show Feel Good? No, that sounds no. interesting. Oh my god, watch it! It's such a great show. It's only two seasons. It's great. It's it stars um, the awesome comedian May Martin. <laughs> I don't know why I'm plugging their show, but uh, basically, um, in their stand up routines, they talk about how they struggle with uh, like substance addiction. And once they got over that, they then started to get really addicted to their girlfriends and would become like really, really like into them. And the whole show is about basically their journey through addiction and like becoming addicted to the relationship. Mm. And so it made me think about um, like how some people handle relationships and like what, um, like reward systems mm. are in place for that in yeah like yeah the relationships and like what what your brain is doing when you are in a relationship and you really, really really into somebody do you know this interesting we're talking about this idea of attachment and like forming attachments mm -hmm. to people and i feel like sometimes you get into a relationship with someone who it might not be a healthy relationship but you become hooked on that hit and that high um on them and also, like, I feel like part of human beings is, you know, we're designed to want to form interpersonal relationships with people. Human society is based on reciprocal relations, whether that's romantic or or, or platonic. Um, and sometimes there's this urge to not want to end a friendship or relationship because of that fact, you know, the fact that we as human beings are designed to want to maintain friendly relationships with people because it's key okay, to our survival. But, okay, so here's the thing. That is, I think that's, that's I agree, that's a very good point. Mm. But also, does that not that make you examine what relationships are like nowadays? Because the, mm. what, the reason we form relationships the way we form relationships comes from a very heteronormative, very conservative societal and cultural place. Right. And incredibly I say this even, patriarchal as well. Sorry, I'm just going to shout out. The no, the it's very true. And like I when I examine my own relationships, so one of the one of the most significant relationships I'd been in, I was in for a while and it was a long time ago and it was not great for either of us. But I in my mind, I was like, I'm going to marry this person and we're going to have kids like because that was that was the South Asian in me, like being like, you met somebody, you have formed a relationship with them. There's nobody else now and you're going to make it work. Mm. And it's like that's not that, to a certain degree. That's nice where you have to like overcome with somebody. Mm. But if you're both toxic to each other, yeah. that's bad. Like that's yeah. that's. I wish somebody had said to me, like, you, your culture shouldn't override this. And if you mm. are both unhappy, get out of it. Mm. Um, and I think my most recent, like, instance of heartbreak have made me really think about the way people form relationships and, like, the, the diversity of relationships now. Because people, I think I'm programmed to think that I have to end up with one person and they have a life and it's like, there is no other way, but you know, mm -hmm. there are increasing amounts of people forming open relationships. There are increasing amount of people in polyamorous relationships. And it's something I struggle with for a long time to like understand only because of culture and society and like where I came from. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think there's so much truth in that. And I, like when I started to examine like what I was so heartbroken about, I definitely realized like a big part of it was that he'd met my whole like the Indian side of my family mm -hmm. and so caught up in everything else that I was processing there was this like shame and embarrassment like mm. I'd failed at what was expected of me mm. um, and like that was having you know overcome quite a big barrier to like introduce my like you know 
white boyfriend that I was cohabiting with, but not married to, you know, mm-hmm. to this like massive family. And so I think it's really interesting when you start thinking about all these, like, and, you know, I mean, Oz, you very much are like in many ways live outside of what might have been expected of you mm-hmm. from a traditional totally. like, South yeah. Asian family. So do I, but so much of this, I think is still ingrained in us on lots of different mm-hmm. levels. And it's so tangled up with relationships like yeah yeah i think and it's like so uh, the like the heartbreak along with like the long (laughs) covid isolation and all of this really made me examine like what i want out of a relationship and honestly i for the first time i just think i don't even think i want or like not want i don't think i need one i think for the longest Mm. time i thought i believed that i needed a relationship simply because it was like this tick box, like, yeah, you meet somebody and then you're like, that's your person. Yeah. And so now I'm just like trying to understand, is it because I, I think because I have for a long time been happy with myself and I don't want to disrupt that. Mm. And the second, the second part is when I have experienced breakup, it's uh, like heartbreak. It's, it just consumes me so much. And I, mm-hmm. it's like, it makes me dysfunctional. And so I don't want to experience that. So there is like a certain guardedness as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also thinking about like the nature of relationships and whether I would consider like a different kind of relationship mm-hmm. where it's not just heteronormatively defined. I'm about to like vaguely come out on our podcast, but that's fine. Um, I think the thing about like, relationships that we're given this template and we feel like we have to fit into it and I like partly because a close friend recently came out as ace I've started to read up more about like the asexual and the aromantic like community and realize that I'm probably like on the spectrum for both like and it's really but it's also very interesting reading about like people's different like attitudes and different views on how on whether you know they experience like romantic or sexual attraction but whether they need it and whether that's an important part of life and it's yeah there's so there is so much more variety out there than Mm -hmm. you know you think there is like at first hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so I promise there's an actual sciencey reason tangentially related to this, but maybe part of it is me just wanting to know your morals. But have you ever just ghosted someone instead of it ending face to face? Like, have you done that or has it ever been done to you? Or has it always been in person or always by text? Like how, how for the three of you, how's it worked? Like Sahel, have you ever ghosted, been ghosted? I, I tried to ghost someone, but I wasn't, I didn't have the heart to do it. And and then uh, I ended up sneaking to them, but I have been ghosted myself quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's one of those things where when it's happened to you, you probably don't want to do it to other people because it's quite it's quite disrespectful. I mean, I have been uh, not ghost. I have been haunted by the ghost. Uh, where someone ghosts you and then like comes back every now and again to like drops into your DMs and then like disappears again. And I'm like, what is this haunting? Like, where are we going with this? Is, is, isn't is, that is, 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 is haunting spent, spelt H O R N T I N G? No, Alex. <laughs> also for them, maybe yes. <laughs> oh, I think um, that's called submarining, by the way. Technical oh, term. is it? Is yeah, it yeah, it's called submarining. Yeah, trying to make submarining. It. Yeah. And then there's also okay. orbiting which is when they're not directly talking to you, but they're like, you know, liking things and you can see they're watching your stories and like things like oh. that. And that they're looking at your fleets on the last day of fleets, you know. <laughs> well, you're looking at everybody's fleets because everybody's like, who, who wants to be naked? I'm just curious. Um, but with ghosting, I think there is a place for ghosting. Like if you have say gone on like one maybe two dates and you're both not vibing it you don't have to formally like end things you can just disappear and it's not a big <laughs> Listen, deal you can at least sell them a telegram <laughs> or something no because sometimes you're just not really not vibing it and you haven't really formed any kind of like a solid base to for it to actually be a thing that you have to get into you could send them um, a really formal letter It'd be like dear sir madam <laughs> i'm writing to you know, regards <laughs> That would be weird. Um, but I think in general, if you have formed, like a, if you're dating someone um, and then you decide that it's not for you, ghosting is very rude and it, you should just have the courage and the decency to tell somebody that it's not working out, you know? And I know it's hard, like Sahel said, it's a hard conversation to have, but people appreciate uh, being told directly more than you think. 100%. So, so Hannah, for you with your breakup, because obviously distance, how did it pan out? Like, was it a telegram? A video call. Oh, modern day. Wow. I mean, like, I do feel like it was, it's the best way to, to do, do it, it in given that, situation. that we're on other sides of the planet during a pandemic. Yeah. I think in person is not always the best way because that person can will need time to grieve. Is that a fact? Because in a 2018 mm. survey commissioned by relationships charity statusonline.org that asked 1,000 young people about breakups, 90 percent said, said it's best to break up in person. What about the 10 percent, bruv? Well, that's how. Here's the thing. Sorry, go on, us. That's let right. Me just say I've this, given though, all of you data. It's based on a. Everyone's getting angry. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, if it's based on a survey, if you're going to ask someone on the street that question, of course they're going to say, do it to your face. But I think Sahel's right. Like, sometimes you need, like, if if you are breaking up with someone or you're being broken up with, you do need the space to process and, like, say the right thing rather than rea- re- reacting in anger, especially, is the worst thing you can do. I um, never loved you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to say something that you didn't mean. You don't want to say something. And people, a lot of people who break up in person will say that it like went horribly because like things were said that they didn't mean. And like, it's sometimes nice to, or like most of the time, nice to be able to process what the, the information you've received and react rationally. Because our brains almost never react rationally to like highly yeah. emotional situations. See, what I really love here I... is that all we're doing is giving everyone that listens to this, like an idea of like what it would be like to date us and then what it would be like to break up with us. <laughs> having gone through like the online like breakup i think i'm actually very pro like video call or phone call like i don't know like there is some like i'm sorry i the thought of having to go through that and then i don't know like travel back across london or attempt to like <laughs> kick someone out of your house like it's just like i don't know that the, the in some ways, it's quite nice just be able to like end call, have a cry, go find some chocolate, like just drown your sorrows. Well, look, that at least I know what clip I'm using for social media. Um... <laughs> okay, so this is sort of why I wanted to know a bit about your ghosting habits. It relates to this, which will relate to like a sciencey bit. But when you break up with someone or when the relationship ends, do you leave it at that? Like no more contact, no anything? Or do you ever like look them up on like social media, like Twitter, Insta or whatever, and like look at their photos and stuff? Or do you just like leave it? Depends on the breakup. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm meeting my ex after work today. 
Are you? Know, in, in, in a weird way, like, is that just hanging out? <laughs> Nothing weird, just... Uh... No booty call situation <laughs> breaking out. Don't get me wrong, if there was a booty call, I'd be down, but I probably won't. <laughs> right, okay. Well, um, so there's a guy at Michigan Uni, right? And, Oz, he did something really interesting, didn't he? So this person somehow got funded <laughs> to do to do um, uh, heartbreak MRI. I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't like shit on this person because you know I might need a job. They showed subjects uh, pictures of I think their exes, and like measured how the brain was lighting up. And they also showed they also gave them like a hot stimulus, like a, uh, something that felt hot. That was uh, I think the paper describes it as hot enough. Uh, hot enough to feel like as if you were holding a cup of coffee without the sleeve. So it's like painful, but not like, oh my God, I'm going to die hot, like painful. Um, and they see this like same areas of the brain lighting up. So the brain re responds. So it's the somatosensory cortex is the part of your brain that responds to physical pain. And I think the paper was saying that it's the same region that's lighting up, whether they should give you this kind of physically painful thing versus an emotionally painful thing. And they did like show these subjects um, like pictures of their friends as well, just to, like see if they were having the similar response. And they, they, they're, they're saying that the pictures of exes had a more significant painful response. I know some friends that might give me that response. <laughs> I'm wow, he's looking right at you, Alex. He's looking right at you. I love you. Alex. Ooh. We're still in a relationship, so no, we're not. <laughs> um, but, but what I so I think I thought it was really interesting. Like uh, I'm not saying it's a bad study, and like when you look at the data, yeah, it's there. But what I would have liked to see was a bit more like a better study design where they actually had a like a negative control as well, where they show you something that's completely opposite to like a physical. Ne negative physical or negative emotional response um and yeah so it's interesting i'm just like very sometimes skeptical about these functional studies especially because like if you're showing somebody uh, a face so your uh i think the face recognition happens in the temporal co cortex i i think and that's fairly close to the somatosensory cortex the brain is very very connected to each other so like it's really really hard to know to like tease like, it out yeah but you know i uh, i want to believe that they controlled for all of that <laughs> but what i'm saying is yeah. what i'm saying is like it it's your brain like even though we have mapped a lot of the brain to like what it's doing we still there's so much we don't know about it so mm. i think all of this has to be taken with a pinch of salt imagine being able to tell someone you ain't shit oh wow you thought you thought this was a i care about this no Right, this was a tepid coffee breakup. <laughs> right, this was a tep. You affect me less than tepid coffee. How you feel? <laughs> yeah, you thought you thought I was in it? No, nah, it's gonna make it's gonna make breakup R and B songs so much better in the mid twenty uh, twenties. <laughs> it's gonna be really. So imagine like one of those one of those people were like actually like into pain, and then it's like <laughs> that's that is loving life. I, I think there's I think there's an element of truth to that. I've definitely felt physical pain over someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Emotional physical pain. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, you know, like sometimes when you think about something that was really shit and then just comes into your mind, and you're like, don't think about that. Nah. <laughs> you yeah, just think about yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> and yeah, it can, it can be like all consuming. Like there, I've definitely been through that too. Where I'm like, why is this all I'm thinking about? Why am I thinking about this? And you're mm. thinking about not thinking about it and therefore you're thinking about it, you know? Yeah. I I feel like the like the evidence for the like changes in neurotransmitters and hormones to me feels like a more convincing like feels more convincing evidence that you're if going through physical pain if so much is going on mm. than like an MRI study that may or may not like have you know any real evidence to mm -hmm. so i mean to certain people can like can people feel it more like if say you sahel and hannah both had a similar experience a relationship of a certain amount of time you were similarly invested in it will both of you respond in the same way 
Probably not, right? So no. And, you know, there's probably a million different reasons for that to do with like, you know, different personalities, different life circumstances, all of these things. I don't think there's necessarily sort of quantitative evidence for this, but there's a lot of sort of, you know, experts and therapists and psychologists who say that there does appear to be a correlation between how much someone was invested in a future and how much they'd been like planning that future and thinking about that future and how much pain they go through following the end of a relationship that it's almost they're grieving the the loss of the future as much as they're grieving the loss of the relationship and this might be part of why it's more painful you know to be broken up with than to do the breaking up because the person who's doing the breaking up might have already let go of that future in some way and started sort of disengaging whereas the other you know the person who's being dumped um you know it might just suddenly be like oh shit tomorrow does not look the way i thought it was going to be or next month or next year you know Mm. um i love that you're explaining this but also at a certain point that felt very specific (laughs) (laughs) no like i I mean, it is, I think that particular thing really does apply to the end of my relationship, but it is also something that seems to be a pattern that has like cropped up a lot um, for lots of different people. I've been on on both ends of that, so I know exactly what you're talking about. But there's also quite interestingly a specific gene that is carried by about 2% of the population. um, And this, like the people who have this gene seem to feel rejection more powerfully now this is one of those like area of like where i guess genetics neuroscience psychology collide where i'm a little bit like what's the word skeptical um but it still is quite interesting that that might be the case um and you know they have actually narrowed it down to a gene it can actually be tested for within research um so, so you yeah, mean like re- rejection in all forms or just rejection from like a personal so perspective? The context that I read about this in was like, you know, romantic rejection, like, okay. you know, the end of a romantic relationship. But I re- like that was something I'd be really interested to find out more. Like, um, yeah, because I, I think I feel like if it if it is that 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 feels more solid and yeah, kind of speaks more to like a person's like personality and their ability, like their confidence, I guess. Mm. Like, are people mm. who carry this gene or variant of the gene or whatever it is, just like does that shape how their personality is and they're less yeah. less confident or more yeah. confident, like like that sort mm-hmm. of thing? Yeah, would be really cool to understand. Yeah. I was going to say, um, sorry for interrupting, I was going to say, interestingly, uh, you know that guy, George, uh, who I interviewed for the podcast, he did a lot of research around re- social rejection and homelessness. And mm. how a lot of people with homelessness have issues dealing with like social rejection. And a lot of people end up in that situation because of that. Like, and, wow. That's yeah. really interesting. So I think there is something to be said there where people, some people, I don't know if it's genetic, it could be a combination of genetic, genetics and social environment conditioning but i definitely think you know you develop the skills to deal with things it's like remember your first breakup your first heartbreak how difficult that was but now it's like remember the first time that you had to ask someone out and they turn you down and like how you dealt with that and then i mean i deal with it a lot but <laughs> that's meant to get easier it's, well, it, well i think i think it does i think you, you it doesn't get easier i think you become more resilient, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you bounce back. Yeah, you just, right. you, and and also with me as well, because of like, because I've been broken up with Anna, broken up with people. Sometimes when I, when someone breaks up with me or wants to not go out with me or rejects me, I think, wait, I've been in that position and I kind of understand, you know, maybe they've done the thing that's right for me. They saw something in that that wasn't meant to be and even mm. though it's painful for me to accept it's like i've been in that position and i can empathize with how difficult it is to break up with someone because that's not easy as well you know um mm-hmm. on the flip side so it can be really difficult if you care about that person still don't want to hurt their feelings and it also asks this question is quite interesting on the you know whether it's all forms of rejection because this sort of connects to what we were saying about how we view romantic relationships, but I also feel like there's almost an overemphasis on romantic relationships and how people feel about rejection and end of relationships in that context. When 
actually we don't really talk enough about say end of friendships and how painful those can be there doesn't seem to be as much research in that area and yet you know like oxytocin is involved in friendships like it you know it's like it's often referred to as like the cuddle hormone you know like hugging someone really like hugging anyone releases like oxytocin and so and clearly there is attachment within friendships and within like like um, familial relationships as well as I feel like there's so much more to this that would be so interesting and yet all like so much the discourse and the research just focuses on this like one very like one type of relationship and a very narrow view of that type of relationship Mm. I totally agree with that and I I think I think there's a certain like societal obsession with defining different types of love. And I think I have become very, very free, like very loose and very free with the word love. Because if I, like, I will happily tell all three of you that I love you. Tell you I, love I, I love you, Alex. I love you, Sahel. Play the beep sound. <laughs> love you too, Oz. Play the sound. But, that was, that was but, so beautiful. It requires music. Don't beep, don't beep me out when I'm telling you I love you. But it's the same. Like, I'm happy to tell, like, my family that I love them. I, like, I, and when I have felt a romantic love for people, it's not been that big a deal for me to just, like, express that. And so when people get so hung up on, like, have you told them that you love them? It's like, just chill. Like, if you if you love them, you love them. It doesn't have to be this whole step. I mean, for some people, yeah. I know it's an important step, but, like, if you feel like you love somebody, it's not that. The only difference between, like, the romantic love and, like, other love is that you are having sex with them and you're sexually attracted to them. But like you already are sexually attracted to someone when you get into a relationship with them. So like why is telling them that you love them such a big deal? I don't know. I just have a very Mm. open (laughs) definition of what love is. And I don't, I think Hollywood, I blame Hollywood for like putting this like notion Mm. of love being this huge thing that you have to like Mm. overcome. I, I found that really weird. Like the whole like, oh my god have you said i love you like i'm like i say it at the end of like half my phone calls with my friends like why mm-hmm. is this this like massive giant thing like stupid, all of a sudden yeah. um, um like if you are having sex with a person or whatever you've been sexually with the person have they seen your asshole like that's a bigger thing than i love you because that's a very private thing that's I true I mean, well it depends in how... my case yes <laughs> <laughs> Depends how friendly you are with no, people. No, but you know what I mean. No, no. So, like, if you're willing to do all that, if you're talking about like sex and all of that, doing all that, but saying common, oh, I love you, like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's weird that we mm. just put that put the word love when it comes to romantic love on such a pedestal because mm-hmm. it's just stupid. Mm. Have they witnessed your rectum? I... <laughs> that's a true <laughs> sign of love. <laughs> okay, that's pretty. That's pretty deep. <laughs> Someone seen your rectum. That's that true is love. physiologically, like anatomically, a little bit too deep. <laughs> that's love. Deep mm. love. <laughs> Can I just make one point? Uh, I, I think people come in and out of your lives for different reasons and sometimes that can be good, painful and can be it can be nice when they're there and it can be painful when they're gone but often it's it's for a reason not that that reason is preordained but you will make something of it you will learn something from that experience All right, so we have come to the end of the episode. I've got like a tiny, just thought, a question. Do you think with what we know about science, we could use, like in the future, there'll be some way for science to like treat heartbreak or to like stop you from feeling heartbreak at all? It's therapy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it already exists. It already it's called therapy. It's, so, like, it's like physio yes for your th- mind. Yes to therapy, but there are... There are also like rumblings about like drugs or meds that could like speed things up. Oh, I love it. I love the idea of that. And we'd be able to uh, explore that further if we had perhaps another 45 minutes, but we don't. Hannah, have you learned something? I have. Sahel, learned something? I've learned love is a load of bollocks. Oz, have you learned something other than people will abuse MRIs? <laughs> yeah, my takeaway is Sahel said it was bollocks. <laughs> Basically, my takeaway is Sahail is a very wise man. <laughs> he is always it's bringing true. the knowledge in it. Yeah. The man about to chat to his ex. 
I'm going to go be very cordial with my ex. A terrible idea. <laughs> like I said, this is the end of the episode. I've been joined by Hannah, Oz and Sahail. Bye. I've been Alex Lathbridge and this has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.